everyone. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete, actor, author, advocate, do-it-all mom, and I'm also a caregiver. And this is Care Walks, a podcast from iHeartRadio and Voltaren Arthritis Pain Gel. It's a show for family caregivers who give everything to everyone and need to make time for themselves through movement. Every episode is designed for you to walk as you listen. So just think of me and my guests as your weekly walking buddies. We'll hear stories from caregivers and gain tips and insights from health experts and advocates who know how important it is to take care of yourself and manage joint pain due to arthritis that often accompanies being a caregiver. Together, we'll find community, ourselves, and maybe even alleviate some joint pain in the process as we walk together and connect to the best parts of being a caregiver. Hello, fellow caregivers. Welcome back to Care Walks. Thanks for joining us again. All right, now, just a reminder, Right now, you're listening to the full version of this episode, but if you don't have time for a full walk today, then go check out our abridged version of the same episode. It's like cliff notes for podcasts. So now that's taken care of. How have you been? We're a few episodes in now, and I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. Have you been asking for help? Have you been taking a walk every day? Are you reaching out to find community? Don't forget, these are important ways to refill your cup. And what about your eating habits? Are you getting in fruits and vegetables and other healthy foods into your daily diet? I know you have a lot on your plate, but I just want to say I am so proud of everything you've done to take care of the ones you love and the progress you've made in taking care of yourself too. And now that you've started adding movement to your daily routine— I want to spend this episode learning about the role diet and nutrition play in combating joint pain due to arthritis and improving our quality of life. To help us better understand how our self-care can be applied to the kitchen, I've invited Dr. Monica Agarwal to join me on today's episode. Dr. Agarwal is an adjunct clinical associate professor of medicine in the University of Florida Division of Cardiovascular Medicine. She's been conducting research on the impact of diet on everything from physical fitness to mental health. I'm really looking forward to talking to Dr. Agarwal about her work and learning about how we might be able to use diet to treat the symptoms of our joint pain. But before I share today's conversation, let's set out on today's walk. Let's start with loosening your shoulders and walking with ease and letting go of the day, and just focusing on the in and out of your breath. As you walk, take some time to reflect. What has brought you peace in your body today? This moment could be anything from a tight hug to your morning stretch or the taste of a nourishing meal. Check in with these feelings. How has this moment of peace made you feel? Carry that peace with you through our walk. Today, I want you to think about all the aspects of our health that help us stay powerful and strong. And as you set your pace for the duration of the walk, 
we are going to dig into some simple nutrition strategies that can go a long way in helping us protect our joints from the inside out. Today, I am joined by Dr. Monica Agarwal, an adjunct clinical associate professor of medicine in the University of Florida Division of Cardiovascular Medicine. Dr. Agarwal's book, Body on Fire, How Inflammation Triggers Chronic Illness and the Tools We Have to Fight It, outlines prescriptions to help guide people to better health. And now she has a cookbook, Body on Fire, Anti-Inflammatory Cookbook, Your Guide to Eating Plant Foods That Fight Disease. Dr. Agarwal, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me what first got you interested in studying nutrition. You know, I am Indian by birth, so maybe my whole life my mom told me to eat turmeric or, you know, that I would do better if I slept more or to, you know, eat more cumin and mango powder because it was going to help me with this or that. And so I always sort of grew up in that kind of space. And when I was in fellowship, so in training for cardiology, you go to medical school, then you do three years of internal medicine, and then you do three years of cardiology fellowship. So you're in school forever. And then during that, time, I also did an integrative medicine fellowship. So I was always interested in integrative practices, try to maybe, I don't know, the combination of East and West, but it really didn't kind of hit home for me until I myself became sick. So when I finished my fellowship, I decided to have children. And when I got pregnant, it was the most amazing thing. But I decided that, oh my gosh, I've, you know, I'm older now. I want to have all these kids. So I had three kids within four years. Four months after I had baby number three, I started manifesting joint pain and it started with a finger and it migrated to my knees and my shoulders. Within a two-week period, I went from being a runner, active, full-time doc to being unable to climb the stairs you know, a very dark time in my life where I was diagnosed with a very poor prognostic form of inflammatory rheumatoid arthritis. And I went from nursing a kid, doing all the things I normally would do. And within a week of my diagnosis, I was told that I needed to stop nursing my kid and get on these medications. And that's a humbling feeling. And I remember this feeling of being small and being told that there was, I had an incurable illness and I needed to get on medications. There was no way I was going to come off. So I just needed to accept that. And that's interesting for a doctor because I thought, you know, it's not that I, I, I embrace medications. I was trained with medications, but isn't there another way? Isn't there other things? Aren't there other things that we can do to make our bodies better? So I started on a path of learning about how lifestyle impacts your body. I met a woman who said, maybe your nutrition's bad. And it's ironic because I was vegetarian and I was probably a jerk to her because I said like, oh yeah, no, I'm vegetarian. I got this. But I was an unhealthy vegetarian as many of us are. What does that mean, an unhealthy vegetarian? Stop right there. Yeah, yes, a good question. I feel seen right now. So tell me what that, <laughs> tell me what that means. <laughs> well, that's a, good, that's a good question. And so there are many people who call themselves vegan or vegetarian that eat a lot of unhealthy foods. And to be fair, veganism is often an ethical choice and not necessarily a health choice. But we have to remember that there are many vegetarian and vegan foods that are not super healthy doctors actually get very little education in nutrition. Wow. So it, it took me years of training after my training to learn how to educate people and how to heal my own body. And so I had to learn a lot about the impact of what we eat, how 
dairy infects your body, how fats affect your body, how all of this stuff triggers inflammation, how inflammation triggers illness. And I went through this process over years of educating myself. Well, let me go back a little bit to when you were talking about being a mom of three, and then you get this diagnosis. I'm a mom of four. I started off with twins. I've completely blacked out those years. I don't remember a whole lot, (laughs) but... (laughs) <laughs> what that that must have been, and you touched on it a little bit, but that must have been so difficult to be raising these little ones, and then you get this diagnosis. Uh, it's remarkable, but I mean, this is your journey. I want to shift to the way we can care for ourselves and how we can take better care of our bodies with nutrition. So let's talk inflammation, because <laughs> yeah. I know you know a lot about that. What exactly is inflammation? How does food contribute to or combat it? Yeah, so inflammation, I always describe to people that inflammation's like your body's mad at you. That's why the title of the book is called Body on Fire. And I always describe it to people as that your life is full of stresses and resources. And just think about the stresses in your life. Well, there are lots of them, especially in 2022. There's our constant dinging of our phone. There's the lack of sleep, the job stress. Am I going to get this job? Do I have this job? Do I have enough money? There's lack of exercise. There's the foods that we're eating. All of these things are stressors on our body. But then there are all these resources too, and that's something that we forget. And there's all these resources like healthy, clean eating. There's sleep. There's movement there's gratitude journaling, there's all these things that you can do, switching off your phone. And these are things that you can do for resources. And it's funny because, you know, your cell phone goes to 7% and you panic, right? You run over and you're like, I need a charger, I need a charger. But we've forgotten how to charge ourselves, right? We are so much focused on the demands in our life. God, I remember when I was in medical school, I used to talk to people and be like, "Mm, pulled an all-nighter, aced the test. What a jerk I was, you know? (laughs) Like, who talks like, because you're so proud, like you wear it as a badge of honor that you didn't need the sleep. But, you know, we should honor people who sleep and who take naps and take time for self-care and recovery. You brought up nutrition. And so what we're focused on in terms of nutrition, gosh, there's so many things you can do with your diet and people don't realize like, wait, what? There's so much you can do. Well, absolutely. So there's all these toxins we put in our body right now. And some of those toxins are things like refined foods and processed foods. So think about all the instant foods that are out there or the open up the box and put it in the microwave for three seconds and it's made. Those things are very refined. And what happens with all those refined foods is that they go inside your body and they activate your insulin, your sugar levels go up and they process really fast. And they're actually the foods that give you the high and low. So if just think about, for instance, you worked all day and then at midday, whatever, you go to lunch with your friends, you go to Olive Garden or something like that. And maybe I shouldn't have said Olive Garden, but some restaurant like that. (laughs) And then I know. And then you you eat like a pasta meal, which has no fiber in it, and it's loaded in cheese and fat, and you eat the bread that comes with it. And so people are like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm not getting enough sleep. I know what I need. I need more protein. Well, actually, that's not the case at all most of the time. It's neither of those things. It's that they just need to cut out their sugar. So a lot of those refined foods and sugars are a source of inflammation. Another big source is animal fat, mm. unfortunately, and mostly fried animal fat. People say, well, what am I supposed to eat if I don't eat that kind of food. Well, gosh, there's so many things out there. And really the foods that we want people to eat are anti-inflammatory. 
There are fruits that are antioxidants like blueberries and berries in general. There are spices like turmeric that are super potent and anti-inflammatory. So all these things that you can do to combat, you take out those inflammatory foods and you add back some of that anti-inflammatory food and boy, there you go. You know, when you say refined sugars, it sounds a lot like uh, that is also carbohydrates. Is that accurate? So are carbs something that we should widely avoid? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that because there's such a fear of carbs. And I kind of added to that just now. And I appreciate you bringing that up. So, you know, I think the thing that people need to realize is that carbohydrates are this humongous bag of different things. And there's complex carbohydrates and then there's simple carbohydrates. Well, complex carbohydrates are foods that when you eat them, they take a long time to digest. And so because of that, your insulin level goes up slowly, your sugar level goes up slowly, you feel full longer, and you don't feel hungry. Well, those are complex carbs like beans and quinoa and whole, whole, whole grains that don't have other additives in them. And so when we tell people we want to avoid carbohydrates, we want them to avoid those simple carbohydrates and refined carbohydrates. And those are things like your candies and your cookies and your crackers and your sodas. Those are the foods that we want people to avoid. Now, one of the caveats is, is fruits. Because fruits, while they are simpler, they are loaded with so many nutrients and fiber, which make them healthier and cleaner. In fact, studies show that people should eat about 50 to 55% of their diet on a daily basis should be carbs. I'm curious about what a day in your life looks like for you. What is the favorite part of your work? I spend an hour long with my patients and I do a preventive evaluation and it's intensive. Isn't it that we're treating the whole person, right? We've just forgotten that. And so I find that sometimes in my practice, the best thing I do is I teach people how to meditate or I give them sleep techniques, mm. or I teach them how to move their body when they have severe arthritis, or I teach them how to eat better and cleaner. I talk to people about touch and intimacy and love and connectedness and you know, I'm a hugger and, you know, COVID was hard because we couldn't hug for a little while there. And right. I had a sad story recently, right? A patient, I asked her to look in the mirror and I said, what is it about yourself that you love? And she didn't want to look. She didn't want to look in the mirror. She didn't want to see who she was. She said, I, there's nothing about me that I love. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of people out there that are suffering from that sort of lack of self-love, the joy. There's just so many areas there. And so I think maybe the thing that I love most, you asked me, what do I love most about my work? I love most when people walk out, they say, you know, I, I feel better. Or they'll say, now that I've talked to you, I know I can do this. But for me, I think you can't feel hope until you take time for you, for that moment, for that pause, and really sort of appreciating what it is in your life that you have it's the beauty of the earth. It's the the people in your life, the people who give you love and love you and you love. It's your plants. It's your puppies. It's those things that allow you to feel like, okay, uh, I'm okay. I, I'm okay. I can get through this. And I think I'm a big fan of gratitude journaling. Yes, I don't know. Yes. Good. I was just yes. going to say, you. Yay. I'm feeling so much gratitude listening to all of the things that you're saying that hope emanates from. And yes, that's so important. I do that as well. Oh, I'm so glad you do. And I really encourage that. I tell people, get a journal. It doesn't have to be some fancy thing and just get, you know, write 
every night write three things in there that give them joy or that they're thankful for. And they will see, and you will see, and everyone will see how much they feel better. You know, there's sometimes simple things that we enjoy in our life are okay to be happy with. Yes. And then it just starts this process, right, of sort of remembering and appreciating the things that we do have. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Monica Agarwal. And now, back to my conversation with Dr. Monica Agarwal. It can be really hard to change our eating habits. What would you say is the simplest nutritional adjustment someone can make that would have the most impact on someone's movement? So I know that change is hard. People tell me that every day. Um, And certainly I have gone through it myself. But I always remind people that even though change is hard, change is good. And that a little bit of change every day can be very impactful. So if I were to tell people something that I would like them to do to cut out inflammatory foods or sort of make a choice so that they can feel better, I would say two things. And I know you said one, but I would say cut out two things. And I would say cut out your red meat and cut out your instant food processed foods. Start there as the remove. And you will see, uh, I promise, in fact, if I'm wrong, you should send me an email and tell me, and I will send you a gift certificate to your favorite restaurant, because I will tell you that in six weeks, you're going to see such an improvement. I mean, this is what I study. And so, in fact, I put people on this dietary change, and in six days, I was able to show people's blood pressure got better, their cholesterol got better, they felt better, their quality of life was better. It was incredible. I mean, six days, days you can make a change. So if you give people six weeks of a lifestyle change, the sky's the limit. The other thing that I'm really not a huge fan of is of dairy. I'm not a huge fan of dairy. The data in terms of dairy is controversial is what I would say. And so I think that people have this perception that milk does your body good, right? We all grew up with that. I need milk to make healthy bones. But if you look actually around the world and you look at the countries that have the most milk intake, well, it's America, Sweden, Europe, Australia, we actually take in the most dairy in the world. And if you look at the countries that actually have the highest amount of hip fractures and bone fractures, what are those countries? Well, it's America, Sweden, Australia. So the same countries that have the most amount of milk intake actually have the highest fracture rates. In fact, the countries that have the lowest fracture rates have the lowest milk intake, like India, Africa, Peru, where they have very low amounts of dairy intake and they actually have very little joint pain. And that just shows to show so many things that, you know, dairy isn't the end all. Yes, we do need calcium, but we need vitamin D, which comes from the sun. We need vitamin K, which comes from our green leafy vegetables. And it's the combination of these kind of things that actually will build bones. And it's not necessarily the milk and the cow's milk that people focus on. And I think caregivers and people who are sick, they often, you know, they they feel stuck too. And so I think that it's really key to sort of say, well, gosh, you know, I can make simple changes and I might feel better. So let's start with these small things. And um, almond milk is super easy nowadays because it's everywhere. You just have to be careful because a, there are a thousand brands and half of them have stuff in that I've never even heard of. So try to get an almond milk where the ingredients are almonds and water. Um, yes. If, if you 
right? Like, so why can't almond milk be as easy as almonds and water? But somehow it's just not. So the other thing you can do is you can make your own almond milk, which is super easy. I'm not going to ask you to soak almonds and peel them off, all of which you can do, but you can just take almond butter and you take almond butter, you put a few scoops into your blender with some water, press blend, and there's your almond milk. Oh, I mean, that wow. is crazy easy and super cheap. So I like almond milk there. My husband is a little bit more into those plant-based cheeses that are out there right now yeah. that are um, coconut oil and oil-based. You just have to be careful because they're not healthy. And so they're not going to make your cholesterol go down. The other thing you can do, another trick is nutritional yeast, which is high in B12, which most of us need, is a great way to get that cheesy flavor. Yes, we speak to a lot of caregivers on our show and and with many caregivers, their time is dedicated to focusing on the health and wellness of others. How do you approach nutrition with time boundaries, like finding fresh veggies, cooking whole really good meals, snacks on the go? That's something that I, I know I struggled with. So a couple things you can do is pre-cooking. I'm a huge fan of so don't be embarrassed to use frozen food, first of all. Like embrace frozen foods. And then batch cook, like cook ahead of time and buy an Instapot. Instapot is like heaven on earth. The other thing for snacks, you know, I carry those baby carrot bags around and I carry tubs of hummus around and I carry peanut butters or almond butters, which are really good ways to get snacks. Those are sort of clever ways to get them in. Very clever. Uh, how can movement, and physical activity aid in our approach to nutrition. Specifically, can it help our bodies absorb nutrients better? So there's nothing negative about movement. Okay, that's wrong. If you overdo it as you overdo anything, you can definitely impact your health negatively. But in general, movement is going to be really good for your body in every way because it helps you process your foods better. It helps your digestion better. If you have extra sugars in your body, you're going to process them better when you move. If you're eating those healthy anti-inflammatory foods, your body will move better. And so the most important thing that a person can do who has osteoarthritis, they can start doing activities that cause impact. We call those weight-bearing exercises. So movement where they have to walk and move is very good for osteoarthritis. The problem I think where people don't move as much is because they're so darn tired. People are just tired. And I think that taking that time for that sleep, you know, really trying to stay away from television at night. And I always tell people that if the goal is to sleep, first, first of all, the average person should sleep seven to adults should sleep seven to nine hours a night. Most Americans and do not do that. Seven to nine hours is accurate. Yes, and you'll see that they'll people will rest more. You rest more. You eat. You'll st be interested in eating more, better. You'll want to eat better. You'll make better choices, and you'll want to move more just because you slept. You know, the life of the caregiver is hard and it's usually women, isn't it? You know, we as women, we ignore our own health in favor of taking care of others. In fact, it, there's random statistics that women actually, they all have symptoms of angina or chest pain that's related to heart pain for so much longer before they actually go to the hospital because they downplay everything. They downplay their own symptoms. And that's very, very common and sort of tragic to me. Something that's why I really focus on self-care. So it's tricky when you're in that situation where you have to take care of people and yourself. Like, how do I do it all? And if I give people anything, I give people that hope because as a patient myself, 
I was given no hope. I was told that I had an incurable illness, that I would not get better, and I just needed to accept it. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that I ever want to do to anyone else. And so I think maybe if I do anything, I give them hope. Yes, and that's so important. Dr. Monica Agarwal, it's been so awesome speaking with you. I have been taking notes. Boy, this has this been very, very enlightening. So I really appreciate talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining us on Care Walks. It was an honor. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. I want to thank Dr. Agarwal again for being my guest today. You know, I'm constantly learning about my own habits and routine with each episode of this show. And I hope you will take away some valuable lessons about nutrition for you and your family. And remember, keep walking and don't forget to take care of yourself too. That's it for today's episode. Don't forget to join me next week when we talk to family caregiver Lakita Kasten about the importance of finding community to fend off isolation when you're a caregiver. Care Walks is produced by iHeartRadio in partnership with Voltaren Arthritis Pain Gel and hosted by me, Holly Robinson-Pete. Our executive producer is Molly Sosha. Our head engineer is Matt Stillo. This episode was written and produced by Sierra Kaiser. With special thanks to our partners at GSK, Platform GSK, Weber Shandwick, and Edelman.